Well, as I mentioned a while ago, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And all around the world, people are going to be watching this game. You know, it doesn't matter where I am. If I'm in Africa and it's Super Bowl, people know about the Super Bowl. And by the way, by the way, do you know what they call a bunch of millionaires sitting around watching the Super Bowl game? The Dallas Cowboys. How many Dallas Cowboys fans we got? Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. You know, I used to be a huge, a huge Cowboy fan. But I mean, but Tony Romo just left me at the altar way too many times. You know, he took me down and, and going to marry me to that championship. And he just, you know, he just turned. Anyway, never mind. But you know, those, don't even, that even, those that don't even know anything about football are interested in the Super Bowl. One time, this guy took his girlfriend. She was from Australia. She had never seen an American football game. And so he took her to the football game, and at the end of it, she said, well, yeah, I liked it okay. He said, but, she said, but I don't understand why they keep killing each other for 25 cents. Her boyfriend said, 25 cents? What are you talking about? She said, well, everybody kept yelling, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. What's the big deal about the quarter?" Well, today, with it being Super Bowl Sunday, I want to talk about something that may come into play this evening in the game, which is the two-point conversion. Now, probably everybody knows this, I would think. But, you know, when a team scores a touchdown, the logical thing, the highest percentage thing is just you go for the extra point after the touchdown. Now, a touchdown, of course, is worth six points. An extra point is worth one point. But then there's that two-point conversion that's worth two points. And so after a touchdown, the team has the option to kick the extra point for one or to go for two. But to go for two, you don't kick the ball. You have to run or pass the ball into the end zone. Now, this year, the NFL has changed the rules a little bit. And so the extra point is now kicked from the 15-yard line. They've moved it back. But the two-point conversion, you get to try the two-point conversion from the two-yard line. And so because of this, more and more teams are going for the two-point conversion. But there is more risk in going for two, but then there's a lot of reward to it also. And so it's interesting that today's game, today's championship game, could be won or lost because of the risk taken by going for two. Well, in Matthew chapter 14, there's a familiar story that probably all of us know that illustrates this same risk and reward. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to begin reading at verse 22. And the Word of God says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While... He sent the multitudes away. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be 
afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, you big dummy, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Like in the case of Peter, we also have a choice to make in order to move into where God wants us to be. And oftentimes it involves taking major risks. Now, taking risk comes in many forms, like going, for the two, like going for two. For a coach to call the play to go for two, he has to have trust in his team. Or taking a risk, it can be like a little girl jumping off the diving board to her daddy because she knows that her daddy is going to catch her. In both cases, it's a risk, but it's a risk that is embodied in trust. Now, we've all heard the term, a leap of faith. So today, I want to use that terminology to describe people like the Apostle Peter who take great risks, but they do it because they have an exorbitant amount of trust in the God they serve. Now, there is a great, there's an element of great faith required when it comes to taking a risk in order to get to where God wants us to be. It's an act of courage in the midst of our fear. And we learn in our text that often that, that faith often takes risk and it leads us into territories that are outside of our comfort zone. But friend, I want you to know that throughout history there are people who have taken great risk and have done wonderful things for God, even though like Peter, they may have gotten wet in the process. Don't you know that when we get out of the boat, sometimes we are going to get wet? So after Peter got beyond the initial shock of seeing Jesus foot surfing on the water, he thinks, man, that looks fun. I want to try that. And so he says, Lord, if it's really you and I'm not hallucinating from seasickness, invite me to come out on the water with you. Now I want you to know that there were 12 men on that boat, but only one was willing to step into what experience said could not happen. There were 12 men on the boat, but only one was willing to attempt to defy the laws of nature. There were 12 men on that boat, but only one get it, got out and wanted to follow Jesus into uncharted waters. Only one rose to meet the challenge. Only one was willing to move beyond the ordinary to experience the extraordinary. And Peter was willing to believe that if God said it, then God can make it happen. Friend, if God tells you to do something, if God tells you to do something, be sure he will make the way for you to do it. Now, this story about Peter is often taught from the negative. We always hear about the guy who took his eyes off Jesus and, and put his eyes on the waves, on the natural circumstances surrounding him. Surrounding him. But I want you to understand that Peter took a risk that no one else in the boat was willing to take. And Peter did walk on the water. 
And so the greatest lesson that we can learn today is that people can get out of the boat. And if we want to walk on water, if we want to do great things for God, we have to get out of the boat where things are comfortable. We have to be willing to take a risk. Just like the coach who goes for two because he believes that taking that chance at that moment is going to bring a greater reward than playing it safe. There comes a time when taking a risk is the greatest thing that you can possibly do. Especially, especially when you've heard the voice of God. Nothing works like listening to God in prayer. Because prayer goes to the source of the power, and then God releases that power on your behalf. Folks, it's in that time of prayer that God whispers and begins to call you out of the boat of mediocrity, and it is your willingness to say yes that will take you to the next level that he has for you. I really expected a few more amens right there, but uh, I'll, 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 give me another chance, okay? Give me another chance. I'll try to preach a little better for you. I mean, look what happened. Solomon prayed the temple was built. David prayed the enemies were defeated. Moses prayed and the seas parted. David prayed and the lions got logjaw. Esther prayed the Hebrews were spared. Nehemiah prayed and the walls were built. And on the day of Pentecost, 120 people got out of their boat and prayed. And the place was shaken by a rushing mighty wind. And the power of the Holy Ghost fell upon them because they chose to get out of the boat and make a difference. But now to, to be a risk taker, there are going to be requirements. It doesn't just happen. And the first thing that you have to do is you have to be willing to listen to God. That sounds like a no-brainer. But for many of us, that's kind of difficult to do. We want to listen to all the surrounding circumstances around us. But if we're going to be someone who goes where God wants us to be, we've got to tune in to what God is saying. You see, because risk in itself is not necessarily a positive attribute. It's like that young pilot who was kind of risky, kind of a show-off. And so he, was wanted, he wanted to sound cool on the radio, on the airplane radio. He was getting ready to land, and so it was the first time approaching this field during nighttime. And so instead of making the official request, he gets on the radio and says, guess who? Well, the controller switched off the runway lights and said, guess where? You can't take a big risk just for the sake of taking a risk. Uninspired risk is not going to get applause from God. He's not going to be real happy if you take your tithe money and spend it on the Powerball just because you said you're going to give half of your winnings to the church. That's not why you take a risk. You take the risk because there is a prompting in your spirit that there is an opportunity before you. And that risk, there's a risk of failure, but there's also the risk of success. But you have and you've received an invitation from God to do the unthinkable, and you need to listen to God before you take that risk. You see, the error in Peter's situation was, was not trying to do too much. The error in Peter's situation was 
relying too little on the strength that called him to walk on the water in the first place. But you need to understand that if you answer God's invitation to get out of the boat, to break the mold, to try the unheard of, and to open new doors, you're going to become a target. Because listen, there are those who don't want you to walk on water. Some of your religious friends don't want you to walk on the water. They don't want you to mess up the status quo. And there are those that will even criticize you for even trying to get out of the boat to get your feet wet and to try something new. You'll tell them what God has shared with you and they'll say, are you crazy? You can't do that. But friend, if God has called you out of the water, keep getting out of the boat. The worst enemies to your dream are those who see your dream as a threat to the status quo. But if Jesus says, come, jump in with both feet. If he says, try it, then try it. If he says, jump, ask him how high. But whatever you do, when Jesus calls you out, do not give up. If people don't like it or they don't understand it, you cannot let the chance of being misunderstood or being criticized, keep you in the boat of status quo. But it begins with an invitation from God. If God invites you to walk on the water and you're willing to step out in ridiculous faith and take a risk to go for two, when everyone else says that they're just going to go for one, you see, that's the moment when breakthrough happens. When you exercise that kind of faith, those are the moments when revival comes. Those are the moments when promotions happen. That's the time when healing comes. It's when God shows up to do the unthinkable, but you have to listen to God. Now, the second thing you have to do to be risk takers, you have to look to God. We have to listen to the Lord, but then we have to look to God as our source. We have to focus our attention on our goals in such a way that when the disappointments come, they don't shatter us when things don't work out according to our time schedule. Because listen, we know waves are going to come. That's life. But the problem with Peter was he began to pay more attention to his external circumstances than he did to the goal which was reaching Jesus. He took his eyes off the goal and started to focus on his problems. Friend, don't allow the waves of an economic crisis to get your mind mind off of what God put in your heart before the crisis ever began. God's not in shock by what's happening on Wall Street, nor are his hands tied by man's economies. His ways are not our ways, and we can't get caught up in the waves of opposition. So don't panic when the doctor's report is different than what you were expecting to hear or what you wanted to hear. Those are all external, man-made circumstances, but they haven't changed God's character. They haven't changed one letter of God's Word. The Word says we are more than conquerors through Him. Friend, it's what the Word of God says about you and not what the wind and the waves do. And when you start paying more attention to the opposition than you do the goal, you will sink every time. We have to have faith to get out of the boat. But we also have to maintain our faith to stay focused on why we got out of 
the boat. But you know, I mean, we all live this life. We get caught up in the difficulties and the hardships of living day to day, and, and then we end up st to start making excuses. Now, I know you guys don't, but that's me. That's me. You guys are rock solid. We say, man, I'm just so tired to go to church. I'm going to sleep in today. You know, I, I don't feel very good. I, I've just got so many, you know, I just had some expected bills come in today, and, and I just can't pay my tithes. Listen, sissy. Focus on what is constant. And the constant is that he has a name that's above every name. The constant is the Lord never sleeps and the Lord never slumbers. Let that be your bedrock so that when the wind does blow and the waves do crash, instead of letting it put out your flame, all it does is fan the flame of the Holy Ghost in your life. We have to look to God in the midst of our storm because we are all going to have them. God didn't call us to the status quo. God called us out of the midstream. He wants us to bypass the mainstream of society, and he wants us to jump into his river that is flowing with the power of the Holy Ghost. But to do it, we're going to have to move beyond our comfort zones and take a risk. We're going to have to go for two. When conventional wisdom is to go for one. And so we listen to God, we look to God, but ultimately, ultimately we have to let God be God. So many times we ask God to take care of our needs, but then what do we do? I mean, we can't stay out of his business. We think we've got to fix it. We try to handle it on our own. It reminds me of that real old story. You've probably heard this before, but there were these three preachers, and they had an accountability group that get together on Saturday, have coffee, discuss things, pray for each other. And so one time, the first preacher, he said something they had never said before. You know, guys, I need you to help me. I'm having, I'm having a real problem. I, I, I have a problem with cigarettes. You know, I, I've smoked since I was a kid, and, and I, I, I want to break that habit. I want to stop, but, but I just can't get over it. And so if, if, if I share it with you, and it, it was a lot for me to bring it up to you, but if I share this with you, I'm hoping that, that we can come to agreement in prayer, and, and you'll help me with this. And so that kind of set the tone, and, and then the, the second preacher said, well, you know, I've, I've got an area I need help too. You know, I've, I've got a problem. I've got a problem gambling on the ponies. I, I, just, I, I just like to bet on horse races. He said, now, you know, it, it, it used to be pretty bad, but I, I kind of got a, a hold of it. But then when all this online gambling came, it, it's got a hold of me again. Third preacher said, man, I'm going to pray with you guys on that. And, and I need you to pray with me about something. He said, because I've got a real problem with gossiping. Hang in there. You'll get it on the way home. None of us have a problem with that, do we? But you know, we bring our burdens to the altar, and we lay them down. Now, now this is not what I'm talking about. Fran, put that picture up. 
This is not what I'm talking about, bringing your burdens to the altar. That's not what I mean. And that is not Starla carrying me either. When the preacher says, bring your problems to the altar. Okay, Fran, thanks. We bring our burdens. We lay them down. We turn our load over to the Lord. But then, almost before the last amen, and we get to our car, we've picked them back up again like a sack of potatoes. And we throw the toe sack of mental trash back over our shoulder, and we continue to fret about it. Listen, I know it is tough to let God have your burdens. I know it's tough to let it go. And some of you have been carrying your burdens around for 30 years. And here's the problem that a lot of times we don't want to admit. The problem is that we have become, if we're, being, if we're honest, we've become attached to our hurts. They become like a comfort for us because in some ways they, they make us feel better because we use them to explain away the pain in our life. But to get out of the boat, to get to where we want, where we want God to take us, we have to give them to the Lord and we have to leave them with the Lord. And so one of the reasons we can't, God can't work on our behalf is because even when we do turn our burdens over to him, we continue to meddle with him. And we don't trust him to take care of it. But friend, listen to me. Remember, it was God who invited and enabled Peter to walk on the water. It wasn't Peter's charisma. It wasn't his ability. It wasn't his reputation. It wasn't something that was in his wallet. It sure wasn't his brains. But it was the Lord who invited him. It was the Lord who sustained him. It was the Lord who kept him from drowning. And it was Jesus who made it happen. And it's a time for us to risk putting our faith in him and realize that God's power is only going to be released when we fully trust him. That's when it's going to happen. But so many people, and even churches, they're more concerned about managing their reputation and their image than doing what God has called them to do. And so what do we do? We're all guilty about this if anyone, if anyone has made a stand for God. Many times we want to come up with an alternative. We want to come up with a plan B so just in case God doesn't show up, we'll still be able to save face to everyone we've proclaimed our call to. Oh, come on. You're telling me you've never done that? We don't want to be embarrassed if it doesn't happen. But I believe God changes history with people who are willing to take steps of faith that are large enough that if God doesn't show up, we are going to fall flat on our face. It, that's what it takes to be a risk taker. It takes somebody who is willing to go for two and respond to the invitation of God to get out of the boat. We have to listen to God. We have to look to God. And we have to let God be God in the midst of our situation. And that means we have to get out of the boat and think godly thoughts. We have to get out of the boat and be honest in a crooked world. We have to get out of the boat and love our neighbor instead of hating those around us. We have to get out of the boat and we have to praise him even though we're tired. We have to get out of the boat and give out of our lack instead of our abundance. 
We have to get out of the boat and share our faith when it's not comfortable for us, and we have to get out of the boat and see our healing even when the doctor doesn't. We have to get out of the boat and say, yes, Lord, even when we don't know what the tomorrow holds. Because after all, friend, at the end of the day, it is Almighty God who created tomorrow. And it's God who holds you in the palm of his hand. Folks, I want you to know that God has a plan for each one of your lives. And he has a detailed picture of your future. But you know, we only see, because we see through a glass darkly, we only see the cloudy negative of the picture that, that, that's undeveloped. And it takes time in prayer and being in his word for our future to become clear enough for us to see. But all along the way, we have to say yes, and we have to trust in the Lord. We have to say yes and get out of the boat. We have to follow him even when we don't know what the future holds. And that means many times to go for two when everyone else is staying in the boat going for one. After all, going for one is safe. It's comfortable. It's average. But folks, it is not what God called for your life. He didn't call any one of you to be average. He didn't call any one of you to keep just the status quo. God wanted you to be an overcomer. God called you to be a conqueror. And many times that takes us getting out of the boat. So on this Super Bowl Sunday, champions are going to be made. And who knows, it may come down to going for two. One team is going to be ecstatic while the other team is going to be heartbroken. What's that old saying? The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. But you know what? In the big picture, in the big picture, who wins today really doesn't matter. Five, six years from now, nobody's going to remember who won the Super Bowl in 2019. But what does matter? What does matter? What does make a difference in five years or 15 years or in eternity is that it oftentimes takes a risk in order for each of us to be the champion that God has called us to be in this life. And that will make a difference. In order for me to get where God wants me to go, I have to step beyond what is comfortable. And let's be honest, that can be scary. In the book Healing of Memories, it talks about at the end of World War II, the Japanese government had a, had a big problem. Because many of their soldiers were hiding. They were holed up in the South Pacific Islands in the jungle and in caves. And they did this because they were afraid that they would be tortured or killed if they came out of hiding and surrendered. The Japanese emperor, he made a speech pleading with his men to come home. And then and after a couple of years, it was assumed that all of the living had been, had been accounted for. But in March of 1974, 1974, there was one last soldier, Japanese soldier, who came out of hiding. 29 years after the war was over. And when they asked the man, I mean, he was in his 60s. 
And they asked him, why did you wait so long to come out? And he said, I was afraid. I was scared. Can you imagine being trapped and imprisoned for 29 years? Not by an invading army, not by an enemy, but by your own personal fear? You know, we have a hard time comprehending that, but yet there are some of us here today that are being robbed of a life more abundantly. Jesus came that we might have more, that life more abundantly, but we are being robbed of that abundant life. You are being robbed of your future and robbed of what God wants you to do because of fear. Fear of what it might take to get to where God wants you to be. And fear is keeping us in the boat. It's keeping us from going for two. And we're locked into patterns and cycles of living because we don't want to leave. Let's be honest. Why? We don't want to leave our comfort zone. We're comfortable in the boat. We don't have the courage to be uncomfortable. Now you have to understand, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being willing to take risks in the middle of your fear. And you see, there's many of us that aren't being defeated by an enemy, but yet we're being defeated by the adversary of our own fear. Friend, fear is a prison. It's a self-made prison that keeps us from being everything that God wants us to be. Of course you might fail, but you might succeed. And with God's help, you will succeed. Of course it'll be tough. Think of the reward. You know, my life, sad to say, but it's been defined by mistakes as much as it's been defined by successes. But I want you to know that there have been times when I look back and, and I took the risk. I listened to God and I looked to God and I let God be God in that situation. And it was in those moments that I understood a part of God that I would have never known if I'd played it safe. And so to move out of our comfort zone, we're going to have to face our fears. And we're going to have to be willing to make some mistakes along the way. But God will be with us every step that we take. I mean, the Apostle Peter, he made more mistakes than he had successes. I mean, Peter is mentioned 24 times in the different Gospels, and half the time the guy's missing the mark. He's sticking his foot in his mouth. He's doing the wrong thing. He's saying the wrong thing. And so with Peter, you had a 50-50 chance of whether the thing was going to end up being a fiasco. But yet in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells him, you are Peter, and upon this rock of your confession, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And here Jesus chooses an error-prone man to help establish the most important institution on this planet. Jesus Christ chooses a man who spent half of his life making mistakes to introduce the Holy Spirit to the world. Even though Peter was prone to making mistakes, at least he was willing to get out of the safety and the comfort of his boat. 
Now, I know, I realize it. Comfort zones can be safe. We feel cozy in familiar surroundings. But I want you to know comfort zones can also be deadly. Because comfort zones are where we get lukewarm. Comfort zones are where our dreams die. Back in August of 1985, there were 200 lifeguards with New Orleans Recreational Department. And they gathered at the city pool to celebrate the first drowning-free summer in memory. And while 200 lifeguards got together to celebrate an entire year without anybody drowning, Jerome Moody, a 31-year-old man, drowned in the very pool where they were celebrating. Isn't that hard to believe? It's just amazing. And for all of you who are wanting to Google it, see if I'm telling the truth, the guy's name is Jerome Moody. It happened in New Orleans. But don't do it now. Wait till church is over. I mean, you would think that with 200 lifeguards, that pool would be the safest swimming pool in the world that you could swim. But as I said, comfort zones can be deadly. Comfort zones are deadly to faith. They're deadly to your future. They're deadly to your vision. Comfort zones are deadly to this church. Why? Because dreams die in comfort zones. And the only way to stay alive is to keep growing, keep dreaming. You have to keep growing. You have to keep dreaming. And Jesus calls us out of our comfort zone, not because he wants us to be uncomfortable, but because he knows there is growth that occurs when we move out of the status quo. Friend, there is an unbelievable future outside of your comfort zone. And if you want to walk on water, you can. But you've got to get out of the boat. And that means you have to be willing to adapt. That means you might even really have to, have to participate in that, that dreaded C word, change. But you see, comfort zones, they're dangerous because that's where we stagnate. It's where bacteria lives. It's where disease lives. Death occurs in stagnant water. God is calling us out of the boat today. Bow your heads with me if you would, please. Now, every single person here, from the most spiritual to the least spiritual, every one of us here this morning are in a boat. And I believe that no matter where we are, where we find ourselves, I believe most of us, if not all of us, would like to have a more abundant life. Now, I'm not talking just about money. But I'm talking about more abundance in our relationships, more abundance in our joy, more abundance in our walk with God, along with more abundance in our checkbook. But you see, to receive it, we're going to have to take the risk, and we're going to have to answer the challenge from Jesus to get out of the boat and come to where he's calling us. 
Now, for some of you here today, he's challenging you to take the risk of surrender and become a Christian, become a follower of Jesus Christ. You may be a very, very moral person, a very honest person. And that's wonderful, and I applaud you on it. But that is not enough. You have to have your sins forgiven and your heart washed in the blood of Jesus. That's what it takes to be a follower of him. For some, the risk for you today is to get out of the boat and come back home. You're a prodigal. And like the prodigal son, you left the father's table. And you've drifted away from God. And you've been going it on your own. And perhaps you've even find yourself in the hog trough of life. But I want you to know God's invitation is here for you today to come back home and find his grace at the Father's table. For some of you here today, and this may be the most difficult, the risk for you is to step away from your own hypocrisy. You say, Mike, I'm not a hypocrite. You're offended that I would say that. I know, I know you say you're a believer, and I'm no man's judge, but all I'm saying is that if you're honest with yourself, what you say on Sunday is really not backed up by how you live your life on Monday through Saturday. And God wants you to become fully committed to him. So you can be everything that he wants you to be. And then there are those who are, who are everything is great. You're where you need to be with the Lord. You're enjoying life. You're experiencing the life God has for you. But even for you, today, God is calling you out of your boat into a deeper commitment with him. You see, all of us, all of us, there is some place more that God wants to take us. And it takes getting out of the boat where we are. And so regardless, regardless of what risk you need to take today, the Heavenly Father is here. And he is challenging you to take the risk to get out of your boat and to go for two.